Today's reading is from the prophetic imperative, Social Gospel in Theory and Practice, by the UU minister, retired Richard S. Gilbert. Unitarian Universalists, I believe, share a religious conviction that history is a human project in which we are both the changers and the changed. Like the creative ministry of which historian Arnold Toynbee wrote, we seek to transform the world and at the same time find ourselves transformed by it. We might liken ourselves and others like us to the biblical saving remnant, which sought to keep alive the flame of justice, even in the face of massive injustice. I believe that our religious tradition provides us not only tools for theological and ethical analysis, not only a moral frame of reference, but also the resources to emerge from the slough of despond and do what Eric Lindemann calls the humdrum work of democracy. Neither liberal religion nor, excuse me, nor democracy is a spectator sport. It will not be easy. Whether we understand God as precisely the source of unrest in the world, as one who resides with the poor, or whether our libertarian theology is couched in terms of religious humanism, it is clear there are no cosmic lifeguards who will save us from ourselves. We are the changer and the changed. So, there is just nothing like the dawning of a new year to put me in the mood for the end of the world. (laughs) Really. Even the Mayan calendar would indicate that tis the season to contemplate the end of the world as we know it, with its abrupt expiration date of winter solstice, 2012. So that gives us mere months to make merry before it's time to pay the piper. Or not. I think it's a human nature to be fascinated with the end of the world as we know it. In fact, I think the first humanoids woke up one day to say, what a beautiful world. I bet it will end. (laughs) From time immemorial, there have been prophets of doom crying out that the world would end in their lifetime. Even in biblical times, long before there was a Jesus, much less an anticipated second coming, there was the promise of a cataclysmic end of the world. This apocalyptic thinking is good for rounding up converts, and it's good for business. Just ask Tim LaHaye and Jerry Jenkins, authors of the astoundingly successful Left Behind series of books. I'm going to take a wild guess and say that probably only a few of you have read this series of books. So let me tell you about them. The Left Behind series covers 16 books, all loosely based on the predictions found in the biblical book of Daniel and in the book of Revelation. Book 10 of the series debuted at number one on the New York Times bestseller list, and total sales for the series have surpassed 65 million copies. Spin-off items include movies, graphic novels, CDs, video games, and a teen series called Left Behind the Kids. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That is some serious cash-in on morbid fascination and fear. The Left Behind books are part of a genre called apocalyptic fiction, which is a subgenre of science fiction, also known as speculative fiction. 
According to Wikipedia, that bastion of all knowledge, apocalyptic fiction is concerned with the end of civilization either through nuclear war, plague, or some other general disaster. Now, had those books been written when I was a teenager, I'd have been all over them. You see, eschatology, the study of the end times, was my thing. It was the 1970s. Hal Lindsey had taken the world by storm with his book, The Late Great Planet Earth, the book that made a convert of my dad. And I was singing the music of Larry Norman, sometimes known as the father of Jesus music. Life was filled with guns and war, and everyone got trampled on the floor. I wish we'd all been ready. We were convinced that the second coming of Christ was imminent, and we were ready. You can still catch Hal Lindsey on TV occasionally, sitting in a pretend newsroom, giving the headlines for tomorrow's news. And just like the Millerites of 1844, the disappointed ones are recalculating the days and reinterpreting the symbols to discern a much-anticipated second coming and subsequent end of the world. But Christian eschatologists don't have the corner on the end of the world market. There is plenty of gloom and doom to go around. And I don't say that to be flip. We do have some serious global issues that we may or may not have time to address. So my task today is to open up Pandora's box and to urge you to look inside. In addition to the Christian perspective on the end times, there are Native Americans who talk about the changing times, when Earth Mother will do whatever is necessary to rid herself of the parasite known as humanity and our penchant for polluting and over-resourcing this planet that we call home. Some of these teachers propose a survivalist approach to the future, learning to live off the land as technology is forced to submit to volcanoes, earthquakes, floods, and other cataclysmic events. Or maybe you've seen Al Gore's presentation, An Inconvenient Truth, a compelling argument for us to change our ways and reduce the chances of being the last generation before the end of the world as we know it. For the last mm, 10, 15, 20, they all run together, years, I have taught uh, communications in a community college and so I've shown an inconvenient truth to my Intro to Communications class, ostensibly as a, an example of mass media. And I have to say, I am truly disheartened when the bright young minds of the next generation dismiss Gore's warning as political posturing and opportunism. My students are alternately fatalistic about their ability to do anything to stem the tide of the coming changes, that are the fruits of humanity's irresponsible actions, and convinced that all this talk of global climate change is simply a liberal plot to spoil their fun. But whether or not there is a second coming of some long-awaited Messiah, whether or not ancient calendars prophesy the end of time, whether or not humanity has worn out our welcome, and is at the cusp of being unceremoniously evicted from our planetary home, and whether or not the polar ice caps will melt and flood significant landmasses, disrupting life as we know it, I do believe in the end of the world as we know it. I believe that the end of the world 
is long overdue, and I will do my utmost to bring it on. To be continued. Now don't you go leaving (laughs) during the offering, and don't tune me out because I might have pushed some buttons, because if you do, you'll never know how this ends. Okay, so where were we? So the last thing I said to you was that I do believe in the end of the world as we know it, and I believe that it is long overdue, and that I will do my utmost to bring it on. So perhaps I should explain myself. Although we often use the words world and earth interchangeably, they are not synonymous. The earth is exactly that, our planet, made up of dirt and rocks, and lakes, and trees, and minerals, and, well, you know, you've been there. The earth is a place, and it happens to be our home. And I really don't know if we are heading toward the end of the earth, but I hope not. I hope we have time to repent, to turn around from the error of our ways, and to repair the damage before it's too late. Ah, but the world... The world is a system, a collection of ideas and agendas, of powers and principalities. The end of the world, as we know it, would be a welcome change. The world, as we know it, is filled with intolerance and fear and hatred, and I would love to see that world pass away. I look at our world where some people have a lot and some people have nothing, And I would love to see that world pass away and a new world where everyone has enough take its place. I look at our world where fear motivates people to lash out at anyone who is not like them, who does not think like them. And I would love to see the end of that world and a new world where tolerance, respect, and understanding cast out fear take its place. But wishful thinking is not going to make it happen. If wishful thinking were all we needed, I would be 30 pounds thinner, several million dollars wealthier, and Miss America would finally get her wish for world peace. But even though wishful thinking won't do it, we need to want it bad enough to do something about it. We need to want to see the end of the world as we know it so we can start manifesting a new world where equal marriage is a civil right for all people in all states, in all nations, where food and resources that are sent to countries devastated by natural disaster actually reach the people for whom they are intended and not held up by tape and politics. In this brave new world, we would stop singing Imagine and replace it with We'll Build a Land. The secret to creating this new world is not to wait until the end of the world as we know it, but to start creating it now. These two worlds, the world as we know it and the world as we would like to see it, can coexist. We do not have to wait for one to topple before the other can be born. To illustrate that, imagine that you are 10 years old and you have a favorite pair of jeans and you wear those jeans all summer to play. And then come fall, you put your play clothes in the attic to wait for next year 
And next summer, you're 11 now, you pull out those clothes and you're so excited because now it's time to play, you've got the clothes, you put on those jeans, and what happened? They shrank. <laughs> no. You grew. You changed. The jeans are the world as we know it, and you are the world yet to be. You and the genes existed at the same time, even in the same house. But you grew. You changed. And now the world as you know it, as you knew it, no longer fits. Eventually, you will get rid of the genes because they just don't serve who you've become. And here comes the best part. We already know how to create the new world. We have the recipe. We hold all the cards, whatever metaphor works for you, we know. We know exactly how to bring the new world into being. And we've known it for a long time. Unlike the Millerites, those folks in 1844 who had to keep rechecking their math and coming up with new formulas because they thought they knew the right answer, if they could just get the right equation and the right question, we have all of the raw materials to manifest hope, not disappointment. Unlike prophets of doom who claim to have the one answer from the one source, we rarely make claims of there being just one answer or of us having it. We look for multiple answers from multiple sources. Those sources include our direct experience of transcending wonder and mystery. Words and deeds of prophetic women and men which challenge us to confront powers and structures of evil with justice, compassion, and the transforming power of love. We draw upon the wisdom from the world's religions to live ethically and spiritually. We believe that we are called upon to respond to God's love by loving our neighbors as ourselves. And we value reason and the results of science as we attempt to live in balance with the delicate systems of this planet. We do all that. Well, <laughs> sometimes I think we might lose sight of our lofty goals. Now, the sources that I just listed can be found in the blank pages before the first hymn in our gray hymnals. They are the sources that go hand in hand with our principles, where we affirm the inherent worth and dignity of every person and foster respect for the interdependent web of all existence of which we are a part, and five other principles that are in the middle that we can never remember. <laughs> it's true. Maybe if our principles and purposes were hidden in some crystal cave that we had to discover Indiana Jones style with danger lurking at every shadowy corner, maybe then we would value them and recognize them as the recipe for a brave new world, a world of hope and optimism. Or maybe if they were kept in a vault, available only to the initiated ones, prized for their magical properties and locked away because they were recognized as the potential destroyers of the world as we know it, kind of like a nonfiction da Vinci code, maybe then we would begin to understand the awesome power and potential that these simple words contain. But silly us, 
We just print these life-changing ideas on unnumbered pages in a hymnal or on posters or bookmarks or T-shirts. We leave these words of power lying about where just anybody could pick them up and read them, believe them, live like they're true. Not only that, not only do we not have the common sense to keep these powerful ideas under lock and key, but we actually invite people, just any old people, to come into these halls and claim these words and ideas as their own. Sometimes I think we forget that we are the keepers of the new world, the keepers of the promise of peace and transforming love. I think we forget because the world as we know it, this world of people who have much and people who have nothing, this world where people hate anyone who doesn't think or act or look like them, this world of intolerance and fear confuses us with its madness, and we mistake all of that for reality. We forget how powerful love can be and that we are the messengers, the prophets, sent out to proclaim the end of the world as we know it and the birth of a new world just around the corner. I will not be a Millerite, one of the people of the great disappointment, but I will be a prophet, proclaiming the end of the world as we know it and reminding you that we hold the keys to the kingdom, the new world waiting to be born. And as you shake yourself awake from the dream of disaster and apocalypse, I think you'll catch the spirit. Before you know it, you'll get all enthusiastic and optimistic. And you might even invite people that you know to meet on a Sunday morning to talk about it at, uh, oh, I know, church. (laughs) And as we get all charged up, we'll find that when we're up, we can't get down. And we will proclaim the end of the world and the arrival of the new world of hope and transformation. Because you may be, you may be, One last spark, one last spark, we all need, we all need to light the whole world, to light the whole world. I started that low, didn't I? Let's modulate that a little bit. We're going to do it call and return another time, and then we're going to live large and dangerous and uh, try to do it all together, like two times. And feel free to look at the people around you and sing in their general direction. Uh, Let's choose a new note. Um, You may be, I think that's going to be better. You may be, you may be one last spark, one last spark. We all need, we all need to light the whole world to light the whole world together. You may be one last spark we all need to light the whole world. One more time. You may be one last spark we all need to light the whole world. May it 
ever be so.